Good morning. All right, everybody open up your Bibles to 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. You know, um, <clears throat> just kind of a picking up. This is the part 3 of taking responsibility. Uh, we do. I do know that's part 3. I don't really know the title of this message quite yet. We'll get it as we're going. God is faithful. But basically, I'm going to kind of recap on what we've been doing. Um, the title of, or what we kind of talked about last time was, the last two times was about getting out of the victim mentality, okay? And realizing that we are the offender, that we've messed up, we've done wrong. Uh, and when we do that, when we, when we realize that we're the offender and not the victim so much, first of all, you have to realize that you're a victim or you won't realize you need a savior, okay? So you do, know, you do need to know that. But at the same time, you need to realize that you're the offender too, because when you realize that you're the offender, then you realize that your choices make a difference. When you realize that your choices make a difference, then you realize that you're a powerful individual and that you no longer have to be a victim anymore. But now we can move on with our life and actually make a difference in our life with our choices. My mom used to say this to me all the time. Life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you react. Your life is not made up of what's been happening to you. Your life is made up about how you respond to life. That happens to you okay we always have to know that if we realize that I can always change the situation by my response then I always realize how powerful I really am and also I can make my choices a little bit better um, you know the scripture for instance says that a kind word turns away wrath you know those types of things when we realize that when we start operating in wisdom in God's wisdom okay then we can turn every situation around just by our choices, just by how we react, just how we by how we respond. <clears throat> if we stay in our emotions, okay, and then we come up, something happens to us, and we're in our emotions, and we let our emotions drive us, uh, we will most often create a bad decision. Emotions always lead to sin, okay? <clears throat> but if I keep my mind on the spirit, the scripture says. In Galatians chapter, I believe, 5, which we're going to read today. Galatians 5. If I keep a mind on the Spirit, then I will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Okay, and I won't be going down into sin. So we're in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. All right? We're going to open with that scripture verse. Oh, wait, wait. I'm sorry. I'm going to keep keep recapping. So that's, that's the main thing behind everything we're talking about here that's like the foundation of what we built this whole study on all right the other thing we talked about last time was our deeds give glory to god and his one deed gave us glory okay so that's important we're not doing good works to receive glory we're doing good works to bring god glory god did a good work to bring us glory and if we have faith in that we'll receive that glory and that glory is we're going to talk a little bit about that today if yeah we, we may yeah I've got to let the Holy Spirit guide this one, okay? Because I've got a ton of scripture and I have to ask him for sure what I'm supposed to talk about today. A lot of things came up and I just want to be prepared so I have it all printed up, but I just want to give what everybody really needs today. So we are destined for glory. That's important to know. Destined for glory. Um, <clears throat> the law did not create sin. We also learned that last time. The law did not create sin. Sin already existed. The law just exposed sin in my life. It shone light onto what was already there. In the law, sin became exceedingly sinful, okay? In other words, I recognized it now because there was a law. But it didn't become wrong because God said it was wrong. It was already wrong because it was corrupt truth. Listen, listen. Evil isn't declared by God necessarily. Evil is corrupt truth. If we could get that, if we could understand that evil is simply corrupted truth. That lies are simply manipulated truth. Then we would understand that God didn't even create that necessarily. He created truth. When God speaks, it is truth. If he says it, it becomes reality. All right? So anytime what evil is, is when it takes a good thing and messes it up. That's evil. Make sense? When you take something that's pure and it gets tainted. That is sin. Okay? Sin is not necessarily a whole complete different entity of itself. It is truth that was twisted. It was, re it was, it was goodness that was tainted. Okay? It was 
Make sense? Okay? That's really what evil is. That's really what a lie is. And, and so what the law does, it speaks the truth. So that when you bring the counterfeit next to it, you're like, well, that doesn't line up with the truth. So all, does that make sense? The law is good stuff. Yeah, counterfeit money. I mean, think about that for a minute. You know, I, that's, I, I tell this, I actually use this illustration all the time. If we have, uh, if we, if you go to the bank, the bankers don't sit there and study all the counterfeits. There's a bajillion counterfeits. There's only one truth. See? So I don't sit here and study all the counterfeits so that I can know the truth. I just study the truth. So when the counterfeit comes, I recognize it immediately as a lie. See? So the guys that are counting the money, they're, they're flipping through the money. You know? And they see all the real stuff all day long. And then whenever all of a sudden, bam, something happens, they're like, whoa, that doesn't look right. They recognize it immediately because they've studied the real thing all day long. Every day. 24, 20, you know, 365 days a year. If they're working 365 days a year. Probably not working that. Anyway, that's beside the point. My point is they're working every day, eight hours a day, looking at the real thing all day. So when the, un when the unreal thing comes along, they're like, hey, something's wrong with this. Everybody check this out. And then they go to one another and say, hey, is this real? Hey, is this real? That's what that's like in our life. We should be studying the real thing all day long. So when the counterfeit comes, we can recognize it. You'll never, listen, you want to know how to recognize the voice of God? Study his word. You want to know how to recognize the devil's voice? Study God's word. Because whenever, whenever the devil's voice comes, you're like, hmm, that doesn't sound right. Something sounds off. You know? And listen, it's, it doesn't have to, it's not a blatant evil. Like, that's, that's the problem with the, the thing. Oh, man, this is, this is good. This is the problem with the world nowadays is that they... Hmm, go to... We're going to get the first John sometime. Okay? Uh, there's another one I want you to go to. I think it's in 2 Timothy chapter 3. <clears throat> 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Through whenever we stop. But understand this, that in the last days, <laughs> there, will be, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self. Lovers of self. What else here? Uh, lovers of money. Proud. Arrogant. Abusive. Disobedient to parents. Ungrateful. Ooh. Unholy. Heartless. Unappeasable. Slanderous, without control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into houses and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth, such as Jonas and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith, but they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. You know? That's what, that's what, listen, that's what, that's what happens, man. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Did God really say? And the next thing you know, he says, you won't die, right? We're getting back to here, right? You won't die. For God knows you'll be like him, knowing good and evil. If you study that, you'll realize God agreed with him on all those things. They didn't die right away in the physical. You'll be like God. And that's what God says. Hey, behold, man has become like us, knowing good and evil. All right? What we know that what is what is a lie? A lie isn't what you see. Look, listen. So here's the problem. Everybody thinks that a lie, you know, if it was a lie, then you won't ever you won't ever experience it. It's not true. Lies isn't about what you experience. Truth isn't about what you experience. Truth simply has to do with what God said, and then lies simply have to do with what's been twisted concerning God's word. That's the truth right there. So yeah, they didn't die in the physical. So did God lie? No. God's the author of truth. When God says it, it becomes reality. It is the truth. What a lie is, is a twisted truth. So yeah, they didn't die, but they did die. They lost something 
They lost the Ruach. They lost the Spirit of God. To be apart from God is to be dead. To be apart from the giver of life is to die. See, death is much bigger than just not breathing anymore. Death is deeper. You see? All it, see, what death happens, death happens in the spirit and manifests itself in the physical. Think about that. If you got cancer in your body, you got death in your body. It, you can't see it, but it's going to eventually manifest. A sickness is invisible. You see? It's unseen. But it brings death. It's a bearer of death. It's a pallbearer. You know? So what we have to understand is, you're a dead man walking. <clears throat> you see? In sin. You'll be like God. Okay? He said, God said that. You'll be, they are like us. Knowing good and evil. But it's not the way God wanted it, them to be like him. He wanted to be like them in spirit. But they lost that. So now they actually, they were like him, but they lost the image of him. See? See, what was a lie was the fact that they were already like God. God made him in their image. He made man and woman. In the image of God, he created them. It was enough. It was enough. Why did they want more? Why did they want something else that was a counterfeit? See? You'll be like him. Good, knowing good and evil. Yeah, well now you know good and evil, but now you're going to have to pay for it with your life. Knowing good and evil. And automatically they became judges. Judging one another. <laughs> but never judging themselves. Again, the avoidance of responsibility. What does lies lead to? This, the, the misunderstanding, the corrupted truth always leads to not taking responsibility. It always leads to avoiding consequence. I wrote a post the day, uh, yesterday. So you want to destroy the next generation? Keep inventing ways to remove natural consequences. You know? I'm telling you. God set up the order of the world so that we can learn. You know? If you're jumping off the building, you're going to break your leg. You know what I mean? This natural order. God created a natural order. You will reap what you sow. But when we try to do things to prevent consequences, then we become lovers of sin. We become lovers of corruption. And we want to keep on that corruption going as long as possible, it's just eventually still going to catch up with us. We're just prolonging the destruction. And it'll destroy us in other ways. It doesn't matter. You can never get away from the destructive nature of sin. Never. Never. If you try to avoid the consequence, actually by trying to avoid the consequence, you set up a whole generation for failure and you destroy bigger things. Okay, look at this. Check this out. Let's just use one example here. I'm probably going to step on a lot of toes on this one, okay? But let's just look at birth control for a minute. So look at birth control for a minute. If you're 13 years old and you're not married, why are you taking birth control? <laughs> All it is is setting you up for failure. Listen, this right here is the reason we have broken homes in America. Amen. Condoms. Contraceptives. Well, you don't want to have a family. I don't want to suffer the consequence. Oh, like a baby is a consequence. No, a baby is supposed to be a blessing, but a baby is not a blessing when it's taken out of context. Anything that's... Oh my gosh. Listen. Listen. It's, it, you, listen, that's the devil. You know what the devil wants you to think? That children are a burden. Children are not a burden. Children are a blessing. But if you take this thing out of context, then it's not a blessing to you. It's a burden to you. Just like if you take fire out of a fireplace and you stick it on the couch... Fire was a blessing, but now it's a curse to you. That's why it's so confusing. You talk to women who have babies out of wedlock. You know? Why? Because you want to love on them, but you know that it's a burden for them. You want to tell them, bless you. You're blessed. Thank you. You know, because why? A child is always a blessing. Always a blessing. I don't care if it's in or outside of wedlock. Okay? But to the woman, it's a burden. You know? It just is. Can't avoid it. That's why they want this. Birth control. Contraceptions. You know? Look, look. The, uh, you know what this is? I'm like, Man, we're going to get started, baby. Jesus, I don't want to teach on this yet. I'm not ready, Lord. I got three pages worth of research. Maybe I'll teach on it next time. Research. 
I'll read all the facts to you. Over the last 40 years, it was one out of 10 women were having babies out of wedlock. Do you know that nowadays it's one out of every three? Why? Because of birth control. Listen, because they wanted to have sex with no consequences. So they started implementing condoms and birth controls and all this stuff, right? Want to have sex with whoever want to have sex for, with, you know? And I don't want to suffer the consequences. So what happens? Sexual immorality goes rampant, and you can't control it now. It's, it's, it's off the wall. Yeah, sure, maybe the ratio for how many people are having sex versus how many people are having babies has gone down, but more people are having sex now. They teach, yeah, listen, you know abstinence, listen. What it is, and then, and then it gets really messed up. It gets really messed up. People start teaching things that are just totally corrupted, man. You know? Like, I shouldn't be teaching my child to be carrying a condom with them. I should be teaching my child to go get married. <laughs> if I teach you to be carrying a condom everywhere you go, all I'm teaching you is, hey, it's okay for you to sin. If you try to avoid the consequences, next thing you know, we've got a bigger problem on our hands. Besides children out of wedlock. We have broken families. We have promiscuous husbands that sleep around on their wives. We have, you see what I'm saying? We have unfaithful people that don't know how to commit to people. They have no self-control. Yeah. We have dating apps. <laughs> we have the internet whore. And we have become the internet whore. Listen, I'm telling you. We, we, listen. This, you know what this is? This is a despise for family. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you on this one, okay? I'm not trying to put my own teaching on somebody. I'm just showing you the problem with something. Did you know this was the most controversial thing back in the 1960s? It was controversial. It was, there were people that hated it. They were like, this, this is a, an abomination. Nowadays, it's so much a part of our culture. It's almost like a right. I have a right to have this. You don't have no right. You know what you have a right to do? You have a right to be responsible. <laughs> you have a right to be responsible. If you're, if you're going to have sex, sex is for marriage. You know? You know, how, you know why I say this, man? Because it's destructive, man. I know the destructive power of sexual immorality in my own family. It's destructive. It destroys you. Man. Why? So why does God have consequences for our sin? So that we stop sinning. Why is there STDs? Because it's a part of the natural order of things. If you sleep around with a bunch of people, you're going to get one of these, and you might die. Right? But what we want to do is we want to avoid this. Did you know that even in our, uh, in our effort to avoid this, through all of our contraceptives and stuff, it's actually... Multiplied. There's more STDs now than there ever has been. Even though we have this. So obviously this isn't fixing the problem. It's a lie. It's a lie. Man, I don't want to say that. Man, it's a lie. 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 We have bigger problems now than we did before. We have broken families, unfaithful husbands, pregnant teenagers. All because back in the 1960s, Everybody wanted to have sex. Now, I actually started way before that. But I'm talking about in, a, in American culture when it became detrimental. When you really see the decline of our nation, it began hugely back in the 1960s. It's called the sexual revolution. Now we start going into what feels good. Drugs went up like crazy back then, too. Mm. Why? Because it is lovers of self. And lovers of, where is it, pleasure, pleasure, rather than lovers of God. Amen. It's the love of pleasure. The sin isn't even sex sin. The, the sin is loving of self. The sin is loving of pleasure. I want to do what I want to do and I don't want to suffer the consequences. Mm. It's a twisted, like, oh, well, it feels good. It must be from God. Well, God made the plant, so it must be from God. There's a lot of things God made you ain't supposed to be eating. You know? 
There's some berries out there, outside right now. If you go eat those berries, it's going to kill you. Just because God made it didn't mean you were supposed to put it in your body. Man. You know? It's witchcraft, man. There's a, a design order of things. God has created for us. He said, this is for you. Look at John, 1 John chapter 3, 8. I think we're going to get to it now. <clears throat> Jesus didn't come so we could avoid consequence for our sin. No. Look at this. You know what people think a lot of times? Well, Jesus died. I have grace now. I can live however I want. I'll be forgiven. Guess what? You're not saved. I'm just saying. You're going straight to hell if you believe that. You hear me? I'm telling you, if you think, well, Jesus died to give me grace so I could keep on sinning, then you are going straight to hell. You received a false gospel. You received a corrupted gospel. Amen. And that gospel is not powerful enough to save you. You hear what I'm saying? You're putting your foot on a faulty gospel. It's, listen, listen. Jesus didn't come just so you could have no consequences for your sin. Jesus came to give you victory over your sin. Watch this. Not victory over the consequence of sin, but dominion over sin. Y'all hear what I'm saying? He isn't, he didn't come to, to remove the consequence of sin. You will still die. You will still die. Everybody still dies. But though he die, he will live. God came to give you dominion over sin. God came to give you dominion over the power and effect of sin. You will still die for your sin. But you will be resurrected in Christ. You see what I'm saying? He didn't ever come to remove the consequence of sin. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning, because he has been born of God. By this it is evident that who evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. You see this? Jesus came not so that you can be free from the consequences of sin. He came to give you freedom over and dominion over sin so you could defeat sin in your life and not be subject to its passions and its desires. If God's seed is in you, you do not keep on sinning. Listen, I'm not saying you won't ever sin. I'm saying you can't keep on sinning. Why? You get convicted. You realize, whoa, I shouldn't be doing that, and I have power over this. I realize that God's grace didn't come to, to remove me from the consequence of sin. God's grace came to give me power over my sin. Yeah, Woo! Now, we're not talking about going into condemnation. We're talking about being convicted by God, saying, I know better and I can do better. That's the conviction of God. Condemnation of the devil says, you knew better. Why'd you do that? You're going to hell now. See? <laughs> that's condemnation. And that's also not grace. You're not believing in what God's giving you. See, God gave you dominion over your sin. So even the sin you just committed doesn't have dominion over you. So you can beat it now. You just need to recognize and repent daily. Listen, part of repentance is a daily repentance. The renewing of the mind is not a one-time thing. You get renewed in your mind, and then every day you're like, oh, I need to renew this too. Oh, man, I'm still doing that. I can't believe I did that. I need to stop doing that. That's renewing of your mind daily. You're being made holy. Okay? It's cool. All right? <clears throat> All right. Where are we at? We ain't ever going to get to the notes. I haven't read none of my notes yet. <laughs> Jesus is awesome. All right. That was harsh. I, I'm going to have to do a full study on this. A, a full, detailed. I, I got three pages worth of study history from 1960 all the way to 2012 about how sexual immorality has destroyed our family structure. And now check this out. You know why Jesus, you know why the devil wants to destroy the family structure? Because he hates God. And the picture of mother and father, the picture of husband and wife is a perfect picture of Jesus and the, and the bride of Christ. Mm. If he can destroy that, he, he destroys the picture of God's relationship with us. If he can create, forgive my language, but it's a proper use of it, a bastard child, a child who has no father, Okay? That's what that word means. If he can create that, then he, he inundates our whole culture with fatherlessness. Which, that's not the will of God. God's will is to be our father. 
We're not supposed to be illegitimate children anymore. So when the devil comes in and destroys a family structure, he makes illegitimate children... And then this creates this concept that, oh, God has abandoned me. Why? Because my father abandoned me. Everybody perceives their God. Everybody perceives God. A court, I can't read that. A homosexuality? Yes. Everybody perceives God as according to what they perceive their father. My father was never there for me. Oh, God's a, God, God's a father? Well, if he's a father, I don't want to have nothing to do with him because my father was a whatever. You know? So this is why it's important to have good family. This is why it's important to have a good marriage. This is why it's good to, to be a good father. So you can teach your children what the Heavenly Father really is. Because they're going to see it like that. The devil's going to say, well, this and this and that. Look at your life. If God really cared about you, you wouldn't have this and that. You know that a man becomes a man because his father tells him he's a man? The father must tell his son, you are a man. He gets his manhood from his father. So whenever your father's not there... So important to go to the Heavenly Father. Even as the father of my own children, I'm not even going to look at them and say, that, Hey, I'm not the one who defines you. I love you, son. You're, you're becoming a man. I'm proud of you. But listen, never look at me for your fatherhood. Because Jesus says, call no man father. And I'm not saying that you don't ever call your dead father. My point is, Jesus is saying there is a father. Your, your earthly father is only designed to show you what the Heavenly Father is supposed to look like. So when the Father is not showing what the Father is supposed to look like, we get a messed up, messed up understanding of what God is. Yeah. You see? It's corrupted. This is why, listen, it's a lie. Listen, it's all about lies and truth. The devil wants to take your family and make it look like a lie. So whenever you start thinking about God, you have a misconstrued understanding of the Father. See? You have a misunderstanding of forgiveness. Why? Because a, a wife and a, and a husband are supposed to forgive each other and show mercy. That shows the Father's mercy. Love unconditional. Well, they abandoned me. Then that, You're not getting to be taught unconditional love. Listen, I know unconditional love because I know how much my parents love me. You know? They taught me. When I messed up, I'd get a spanking, but they still love me. And I knew that I would never lose their love. I knew I could never lose their love. They taught me unconditional love. We have to be that for our children. We have to be that for our families. We have to show God in into our families as a father. This is the problem we have in the nation. It's a fatherless generation. And it all began with condoms. Why? Because they don't want to be a father. What's the problem with that? It's a huge selfish problem right there. You don't, oh, a child's an inconvenience for you and your dreams. And don't you realize the first command was what the first commandment in the Bible was to be fruitful and multiply. You were never designed to live for yourself. You were always designed to live for a family. You were always designed to live for your children, for the next generation, to grow them up in the way of the Lord. You weren't designed to just be for yourself. Oh, well, if I have a child right now, it's going to mess up all my plans to go to college. Selfish. Selfish. You're thinking about you and you alone. You know what? You're going to die and you're going to have nothing left. Except your children. Except the people you've influenced. Except the people you poured into. Your legacy. It's all about the legacy of the Father. You see? The father. It's good stuff. I totally did not get on my notes today. God is too good, man. This is powerful right here, man. <clears throat> Listen, you know what? Being this is the title of this message: fatherhood. The power of fatherhood. Power of father. This is the reason why. Listen, taking responsibility. When we started doing condoms and stuff, this was an avoidance of responsibility. This was the breakdown of fatherhood. Listen. A father, the, the whole purpose of a father is to take responsibility. That's what defines a father, is a man who takes responsibility. So we begin with little things. We're growing up, my wife asked me today, well, how does, all right, Zach, how does uh, folding clothes, you know, exonerate God? I said, well, folding clothes proves to my children that I care about their clothing. Why is it important that they're clothed? Because I don't want them being naked. 
See, what happens is nakedness is a sign of my sin. So as being a father, I clothe my children to show them that their reproach is being taken care of. I have clothed them just like my heavenly father has clothed me. Why is it important that my clothes are being folded every day? Because I have a small little task. I'm going to teach my children how to be responsible with their chores so they know how to take responsibility. How we are supposed to cover one another's sins. Man, it's so good. You know Noah, when he was drunk, passed out naked, and his son Ham comes in and laughed at him. Comes back and tells his other brothers, hey, dad's naked in there. He was drinking. And the other two sons cover their eyes and go cover his nakedness. You know that we're designed to cover one another's nakedness? To a degree, I'm not saying that you cover completely. Jesus did that. But if I am Christ to the nations, if a Christ lives in me, I'm to come cover you. Listen, love covers a multitude of sins. See, you're created to love. Love is the clothing. Look, this is so good. Love is the clothing of our sin. It covers my reproach. It removes the sin. It, it removes my shame. Listen, by clothing my children, I'm teaching them that I care about their protection. I care about them not being exposed to the elements. I care about them being warm. And also, I make sure the clothes are in the drawer so that every time they need the covering, it's available and ready to go. I'm not gonna, they're not gonna, I shouldn't, they shouldn't come to an empty drawer. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, he says, don't be anxious about anything, but seek the Lord in all of your ways. First, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Why do you worry about what you wear? For the lilies of the field, they're clothed more splendorous than Solomon in all of his glory. And they're gone in one minute, you know, one day, blown away by the wind. So much will your heavenly Father also clothe you. See, our Father clothes us. Clothing comes from the Father. So I teach my children how to fold clothes, to take responsibility to do the proper preparation to make sure that they are clothed. And then I teach them how to be faithful with a little bit. So now I say, hey, here's a task for you. You're going to fold clothes today. And this is your chore for Tuesdays. You know, folding clothes. Fold clothing. Folding. I messed that up. Folding clothes. <laughs> this is your responsibility. You're going to be faithful with this little task of, of yours. Why? I'm going to teach my children responsibility. Because one day they're going to be a father. One day they're going to be a mother. So I'm going to teach them, hey, you're going to fold clothes. This is your responsibility. You're faithful with this little thing. I'm going to give you more. What is that? More what? More promotion. Because more promotion comes more responsibility. Amen. So now you're going to fold clothes and you're going to wash dishes. Oh, that's more work. Well, don't try to be your own boss then. You know what the problem is when people start their own business? People who fail, people fail every time when they want to be their own boss. Because they didn't realize how much responsibility came with it. Amen. I just want to be my own boss. In other words, you don't want to listen to nobody. You're, uh, you're, you're prideful. You're not humble. Selfish. You're selfish. You go get your own business so you don't have to answer to nobody. And guess what? You find out real quick that you can't hack it because you don't know what it takes to be responsible with the little. And now you've been given this much that you took. Nobody gave it to you. You took it. You need to be responsible with the little. Be faithful. Work underneath somebody. Submit to their leadership because they got where they're going because they've been faithful. Because they've been responsible. And if you humble yourself and not be so prideful and think you can do better than your boss, why do you think they own their own company? Because they're good at what they do, and they know how to take responsibility, and they know what it means to be promoted, and they know what it means to take care of business, and you've never done the hard work to make it. Now, you want to all of a sudden be the boss. I want to be the manager. If I was the manager, I'd do things differently. But you're not the manager. You're just a little peon. You need to submit. <laughs> Why? Because you don't know what it takes to surrender, to sacrifice. See, whenever you get to the top, you've sacrificed the most. Mm. This is God. He's at the top. And he sacrificed the most. God sacrificed the most. Nobody can say that they can run things better than him. He is the most wise thing. Jesus is the wisdom of God. He is the wisdom of God. His perfect wisdom. All wrapped up in Jesus. What is his wisdom? To sacrifice. Taking responsibility when it wasn't his fault in the first place. We messed it up, but he took the responsibility. See, that's what a good father does. When a son messes up and goes over here, this, the father comes between the guy who wants to beat his son up and says, Hey, look, man, I'll take the beating for him. I'll take responsibility. This is my son. He, this is my son. And I'm going to take responsibility for my son. It's my fault. I should have raised him better. I should have taught him better. Don't take it out on him. Take it out on me. Amen. You see? Even though he didn't do the sin. Even though he probably did touch him better. He still said, Hey, hey, listen, let me take this. is the co-signing. Look, God co-signs on your life. He takes the backs. Look, you might, you might not ever be able to make the payment. God will make the payment for you. But it's not about 
avoidance of consequence for sin, it's a, it's a safety net so that you can grow. So God can say, listen, you needed to be able to do the same thing. I'm going to be your safety net. If you can't make it, I got you. But listen, this is not about just staying as a little immature Christian, a little baby that just sucks on the nipples of his mama. <laughs> Stop being a little baby. Yeah. Grow up. Take responsibility. How many times do we say, how many say, man, I, I wish I was a baby. I didn't have no responsibility back then. Man, you are a baby. Yeah. If you say that. We want responsibility. Oh, responsibility is hard. I really hope that wasn't too, uh, that <laughs> I know I said that, um, but I'm not, I'm not going to apologize for it because it, that's, that's what it is, man. It's a little baby. It's nursing. You know, we need to stop nursing. We need to grow. A baby, listen, a baby takes no responsibility. It is, is diapers changed for him. It, every time it wears, it's fed, changed, you know, absolutely nothing. That baby puts nothing into life. It's completely useless, except for its potential. That's why mothers don't want to have children. They, they can't give nothing to me. Well, they're just going to take from me. That's right, they're going to take from you. That's why you learn how to be a father. Mm -hmm. When I say father, I'm not just talking about just in the family. I'm talking about in the world, man. Mm. We, we become fathers to people when we yeah. take them under our wing, when we raise them up, when we start speaking life to them. There's a measure of fatherhood that comes with it. Yeah. You know, when we, when we want to teach people, when other people come in and we say, Hey, I've been there. I'm going to help you get through it too. That's a form of fatherhood. You see what I'm saying? And we live in a fatherless generation and we need to become fathers. Yeah. Not just over our own children. There's a, there's orphans all around us, man. Orphans all around us. We need to take responsibility. Here's the heart of the father. Here's the true religion. The scripture says to take care of orphans and to take care of widows. We live in an orphaned country because people don't want to take responsibility for their sin. Because of this right here. Well, why? Why? The foster care system is so wrong. No, condoms are wrong. See? I'm, I'm not trying to be weird like... Look, man, people are probably going to bash this whole video thinking that I'm completely against birth control. And you know what? I have my personal convictions about it because of this. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit speak to you and you determine for yourself whether you should be doing any kind of birth control or not. Yeah. That's between you and the Lord. I'm not trying to make a, a platform here and tell everybody they shouldn't be taking birth control. But I do know this. This thing led to a generation, a whole generation of fatherlessness because people want to avoid responsibility. Because the children get in their way of their hopes and dreams. Look, your children are your hopes and dreams. If you don't get that, then you're not going anywhere. All your stuff's going to die with you. The only thing you can leave behind is what you poured into. And if you don't have your children to pour into, or if you don't have somebody else you're pouring into, like a child, then you have nothing. You have absolutely nothing. Listen, the pride of God is His children. Amen. We're supposed to be like God. The pride of our life are the ones that we've poured into. The ones that we've developed. The ones that we cultivate. Yeah. You're created to be a planter and a cultivator. A gardener. You are a gardener. Adam was a gardener. God put. Did you know that being a gardener and working in the garden was not part of the curse? God put him in the garden to work the garden. Then he sinned. And then it became a risk. Look at this. Listen, do you know that unfruitfulness. I'm not being mean. I'm not being mean to anyone who can't have kids. I'm just telling you it's part of the curse. This is why we can defeat it in Jesus. Can't have kids? I'm not saying that you're that you're the curse. I'm saying it's part of the curse. That's why we believe in Exodus chapter, in Exodus it says, it says, you will not be barren or miscarried. And Jesus, all the promises are in God. So I believe that I can have children even if I'm miscarrying. Why? Because God's gonna bless me. Why? Because it's, we're talking about the curse versus the blessing. Amen. Okay? Listen. Listen. Barrenness, this is how backwards we are in this world. Barrenness was a part of the curse. It was a byproduct of sin in the world. Not necessarily your sin or somebody else's sin. It was a byproduct of sin. You see what I'm saying? In general, barrenness is a byproduct of sin. This is why Jesus paid the price to remove this. And it takes faith to believe that that's going to go away. Amen. That's why it says, Sing, O barren one. 
who could not bring forth? Enlarge your tents. It's all in Isaiah chapter 54. Let's go to it. But we're backwards in our world. Listen, Isaiah 54. <laughs> Sing, O barren one who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not been in labor for the child of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. In other words, you need to start adding rooms to your house because you're going to have a bunch of kids. Amen. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left and your offspring will possess the nations and will, ple and the, and will people the desolate cities. Fear not, for you will not be ashamed be not confounded. Why? Because the barrenness was a sign of shame. Listen, I've lost a baby, and I know the shame. Okay? It's heart-wrenching. Okay? It says, for you will not be ashamed. Be not confounded, for you will not be disgraced. For you will not. For you will forget the shame of your youth and the reproach of your widowhood. You will remember no more, for your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name, and the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. The God of the whole earth, he is called, for the Lord has called you like a wife deserted and grieved in spirit, like a wife of youth when she is cast off, says the Lord. For a brief moment I deserted you, with great compassion I will gather you, and overflowing anger for a moment I hid my face from you, but with everlasting love I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. So God redeems this. This is part of the curse, but Jesus Christ became the curse so that I can remove this out of my life. But yet we want to go back to it. That's what this is. It's a, it's a clinging on to barrenness. These people want to be barren. Mm. They don't want to have children. It's anti-God. It's anti-family. It's anti-fatherhood. This is really, this has destroyed our nation. See what I'm saying? I'm convicted about this. I'm convicted about this, man. It's this little lie. Oh, it'll be okay. Oh, it's not that big a deal. Oh, what we do in the privacy of our own home, that's, that's, that's between us. Nobody else can judge. That's the devil telling us that we can do whatever we want and get away with it. This is where we breed homosexuality. Next thing you know, bestiality. Won't be long. Won't be long. Every great nation has always felt fallen because of this right here. Every great nation... Every great empire became riddled with sexual immorality before its decline. And it crashed and burned. Why? Because it's the breakdown of the family structure. When you break down family, you break down cities, society. When you break down society, you break down nations. When you break down the nation, you break down the world. This is the whole point of the devil. He wants to control us by our, by our emotions and by what we're driven by and our passions and our desires of the flesh. See? I want to sin with no excuse, with no, with no consequences. Man, it's so powerful. I never got to anything I was going to teach on today. Jesus is too good. Anyway, lovers of pleasure. Lovers of self. Ask yourself this. Anytime you make a decision, is it for love of self or is it for love of God? Mm. That's how you know whether or not you're sinning or not. Mm. Or am I doing it because I love God or am I doing it because I love myself? Mm. Is what I'm going to do pleasing God or is what I'm going to do pleasing self? We're living in such a messed up world. Listen, I'm telling you, you got people, I counsel people now that have, that they've been with multiple women and they have children with multiple women. And now they don't know what to do. Well, should I be with this woman over here? Or should I find me a whole new woman? You know, the Bible says that if you have sex with a woman, you become one flesh with her. You're basically married. It's, it's dangerous. This is how the devil wants to twist everything up. Well, I have feelings for this woman. Who cares about your feelings? Feelings got you in this whole mess in the first place. That's why you had all these women. Because your feelings. Mm -hmm. Your feelings obviously aren't God. Amen. Your feelings obviously are the devil. Your feelings obviously don't get you any wisdom at all, so don't go by your feelings. Yeah. Well, I have feelings for that woman. Shut up. You have feelings for all those women. And all of a sudden, you want to have you want to pick this one. No, listen. You got children by that woman, and you got children by that woman. Now what are you going to do? You know what? You need to take care of those kids. Amen. You know? Why? Because of what the father does. Well, I just can't do it. Sorry. Should have made that decision before you had sex. You know? Se listen. Sex is fun. 
But sex is for kids. You know? What I mean by that is sex is to have kids. It's seed that's planted into a woman to create a child. The whole purpose, the foundational purpose of sex is to create family. And to establish intimacy between husband and wife. Not pleasure. Not pleasure. Yeah. That's right. Sex in its purest forms creates intimacy that can never be broken. Mm. That's why kids kill themselves when their girlfriends dump them. Because they had sex. And they created a tie with that woman that was never supposed to be created until they got married. And people say, oh, well, he just needs to get over it. He can't get over it. God created it that way. He created sex so that I would connect. You know what pornography does? It disconnects. You know what pornography teaches? Pornography teaches me that I can lust after a woman and not have connection. So then in marriage, I never connect to my wife. Because I had learned to look at pornography and look at a woman for her body and have some drug thing happen in my body to create a feeling of release, releasing of dopamine and all that stuff. No consequence. No consequence. Don't have to worry about having kids. Don't have to worry about having STDs. Sin without consequence again. But it does have a consequence. The consequence is you have no intimacy with your wife. Then when you have no intimacy with your wife, your marriage is already beginning to be divorced. And the next thing you know, your children are suffering simply because you wanted to go look at a porno website and masturbate. Amen. Because of yourself. Because we're selfish. We're lovers of pleasure. I'm telling you, dude. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Yeah. And if it doesn't affect you, it will affect the next generation. Amen. Oh, you compromise all this stuff. Whatever you compromise, your children will compromise twice as much. Twice as much. It always gets worse the next generation. So it's so important. This is why there is no bars held back. If I'm going to start following God, I have to start following, following God full throttle. There is no halfway doing it. If you're half-hearted, you're just halfway getting into heaven. I'm just telling you right now. I'm not, well, I'm probably not even going to make it to heaven. My point, my point is this, is full throttle, man. If I'm not seeking God with all of my heart, all of my heart, my children stand no chance. Mm -hmm. Listen, I've seen it time again. The parents will go to church on Sundays. But Monday through Saturday, there is no God. So what happens to the children? They don't think God's that important. So they don't go to church the next generation. Mm. Next thing you know, the family breaks down. Why? Because they did minimal Christianity. They serve God minimally. Well, I'll give you my Sundays and that's it. I'm not going to serve God 100%. Okay, so then they say, well, we're going to go to church twice a week. All right, well, great. That's great. But what are you doing for the kingdom of God? Because you can go to church and get fed, but that's not what it's about. My purpose is to be giving. So if I go to church to receive only, then I call it spiritual obesity. We get fat on the word of God. The pew sinks underneath us. We never work off our faith. And we just sit there and die mm. in the church. Amen. Selfish is still selfish, right? Well, I'm going to go to church so I can get something. I'm going to get my tithe so that I'll be blessed. You're doing it for the wrong reasons. Amen. You should be tithing because God deserves your praise and your sacrifice. You're not giving to get. Mm. That's not really sacrificing. If I'm giving to get, I'm not really loving God. I tithe my first 10% because I love Jesus. And I'm thankful for what he did for me. I don't give anything to God so he, I can get anything back. He already gave me everything I ever needed. Therefore, I'm just giving him 10%. And the truth is, if I realize that my whole life belongs to him in the first place, then 10% ain't nothing. Because really, all of it belongs to him. Listen, do you see the corruptness of this? Oh, wow. Do you see how it's a lover of pleasure? It's a lover of self that's created this thing. And the family is being destroyed because of it. And it's so dangerous. This is the first time I've ever taught on this on a public platform. And it's going to go on YouTube. And I'm just going to let it go, man. I'm just going to thank Jesus for it. But... This is the truth, man. I'm convicted by this. I know for a fact the devil has gotten into our brains and told us, it's all right. You don't have to, you don't have to worry about the consequences. You can do it all for yourself. You know? Anyway, it's always led to this. You know what got me on that trip? Well, this got me on the trip because I, I started studying the, the effects of sexual impurity in our nation. And I, I discovered... That it all began back here. 
It began back here, back in the 60s, back even before that, you know. And I, I was only studying America and how the United States has been affected by this and when it really went bad, when it really went sour. The divorce rate is out the roof, man. Did you know that the divorce rate has actually plateaued and the reason why is people just aren't getting married anymore? It plateaued. But it only plateaued because people aren't getting married anymore. You know, the average age used to be 25 years. Men were already married. Now it's 35, 40. People aren't getting married. You know why? Responsibility. They don't want to take responsibility. You know what that is? Being a coward. <laughs> I mean, this is real truth right here. That hurts. But it's the truth. So, what we do, you know, thank you Jesus for things like this where we can... You know, this, the barracks is awesome because this is the opportunity where we can learn the importance of taking responsibility. Yeah. You know? We can learn the importance of renewing our mind to what Christ says. It's a long process. When we've been doing it wrong for 30 years, six months ain't nothing to learn how to do it right. You know? It's nothing. And it's worth it. It's worth but the investment. It's everything. But it's everything. Because if I can just spend six months as a grown adult being humble, if I can humble myself, that's a problem. If we don't humble ourselves, we'll never receive it. Humble ourselves and receive what God has for us so I can set my whole life up for, for, for success. You know? For the rest of it. We have so much time ahead of us. Man, I used to get so discouraged. God, am I ever going to get started? Am I ever going to get started? The Lord said to me, you're so young, Zach. Stop it. You got the rest of your life. You just be a disciple like I told you. You get trained like I told you. And then the rest will be history. God is good. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Holy Spirit, right now that the words on this teaching... Sink into people's hearts in the right way. And Lord, my desire isn't to offend people. My desire is to bring truth to people. It will set them free. Sometimes, Father, you are a stumbling block to people. Because they're already blind. And Jesus comes in the way to give them hope that they just stumble over him. Father, I thank you, Lord, right now. People's eyes will be open and their hearts will be open to receive. And this teaching goes out on YouTube and Facebook and their hearts will be primed and ready to receive the good news. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Bold as a Lion ministry podcast. For additional teaching, prayer, information, or support, please visit our website at www.boldasalignedministries.com. Subscribe to our Facebook for updates on what God is doing in our ministries and our YouTube page for updated teachings hosted at the Barracks Discipleship and Recovery House. For weekly refreshing word, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or Podomatic. We pray strength and blessing for you and yours and for the courage to walk boldly for God.